Merry Christmas. My name is David. I'm the site pastor here at Grace Covenant in Sterling. I want to thank everybody for coming out to worship and celebrate Christmas with us tonight. I know you could be anywhere and it's easier to go nowhere than to go somewhere. And you chose to come somewhere and be with us. And I'm just, I'm grateful for that. Uh, one of the things that we love about uh, at Grace Covenant Church is family. And so that's why we prioritize the, the, the most incredible version of Happy Birthday Jesus I've ever seen. Simultaneously, the most stressful version I have ever seen. Uh, but, but what we're going to do at this time is we're going to push the boundaries a little bit further. And I'm going to ask all the kids to come forward and you can sit up here. And we're going to have a moment, a story time devoted and dedicated to our children. And they're going to help us tell you the nativity story. So y'all can go ahead and come up. Kids are not required, but they're welcome to. Hey, guys. All right, I'm going to sit right here so I can be close to you. Hello. How you guys doing? Hey, buddy. I know your dad. I do. Which one's it? Which one is he? I'm, I don't. I think so. Nice. One of my favorite things was seeing all the different weapons that the candles turned into during worship, during the Advent songs. It helped me. I, I, I wondered if we had to tell you guys why we used battery-operated candles instead of real candles. And then I saw a, a candle fly at the stage, and I was like, I think we'll, we're all, we'll all get it. All right, guys, so here what's, here's what we're going to do, kiddos. We're going to tell the Advent story. We're going to talk about the most incredible story known to mankind. But here's the thing about this story is it's not made up. It's, a, it's true. It's real. And it's the, it's the story. It's the account of how God became a man to show his love to us. Now, the story didn't take place today. It took place a long time ago in a country far, far away. Does it sound familiar? It's a period of civil unrest. The kingdom wars is at one great moment against the evil empire. The kingdom of heaven is set to get another time. The evil empire is also a weapon that a terrible condition with enough power to destroy an entire people. Mary and Joseph were visited by angels and raised home to Bethlehem as custodians of God's plan to redeem mankind and restore freedom to humanity. It's better than Star Wars, y'all. It's real life. Sit down. We got more story. So here's the thing. Okay, you guys ready? So here's what happened. There was this young woman named Mary, and she loved God. And there was a young man named Joseph who loved God. And God came to Mary, and he said, hey, you're going you're to have a baby. And this baby, you're going to name him Emmanuel. It means God with us. And it's going to be supernatural. It's going it's to be better than magic. God's going to do this, and he's going to do it by his power. And Mary got pregnant, and Joseph and Mary, they, they, they stayed married, and they, they moved together, and they had to go to Bethlehem to take a census. You know what a census is? No. It's a boring. It's a lot of numbers. 
Here, don't put the candle in your mouth. <laughs> Ooh, stressful. I need an electrical engineer to text me whether or not that's safe. So Joseph and Mary had to travel pregnant for many days to go to Bethlehem where they were going to take place in the census. That just means that they had to sign in and everybody had to say how many people were in their family and, and how many people they were related to. And they'd go and they would celebrate and be with their family members. So they searched far and wide and they got to Bethlehem. And then they got to Bethlehem and they, they got a room at a hotel. No. Why not? What happened? There, there weren't devils yet. There were, there were, I mean, there were devils, but not in this part of the story. They, there was no room in the inn, right? There was no room in the inn. So what did they have to do? They had to find another place to stay. And so what they did is they, they finally found a place to stay. But this place, this place was dirty. It had, what did it have in it? Well, why did it have poop in it? Because there were animals in there. They, so what kind of, they were in it, maybe in a stable. It could have been, get this, this is kind of weird. It could have been a house. It could have been a house that animals stayed in. That's not quite how we think of it. If a donkey walked into your house at breakfast time, it'd be a little bit strange, wouldn't it? But those things happened. So what kind of animals would be in a stable? A horse. What, what, how's, what sound do horses make? Yeah. Yeah. What else? Chickens. What kind of, what, 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 what camel? Maybe, maybe a camel. There might be, there could be a camel and sheep, sheep. What sound, what sound would the sheep make? Bad. All right. That's awesome. What other kinds of animals would be in the, in the, in a stable? Lambs. They make the same sound. What else? Cows. What sound do cows make? There would not be pigs in a Jewish stable. What other animals would we have? What is going on back there? These kids are persuaded that there's a, there's no camel. No. Should, it's a fake camel. It's just, it's fake. It's fake. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? All right. So Joseph and Mary, they had their baby in a stable. I wish it was that easy. Like what just happened? I wish it was that easy. They had their baby in a stable with, with, is it sheep? Is that right? Just <laughs> basic zoology, I guess. And we got to, so, so yeah, it was a, it was a messy, messy place. So kids, here's what I need you to hear. Here's what I need you to hear. This is how enormous and wonderful and amazing the love of God is. That he was willing to enter a stinky, yucky place. He was willing to take on the form of a baby to show us how much he loves us. 
And it doesn't matter how hard your life gets or how stinky or yucky things seem around you. God is pleased to enter into your life and to help you know that God is with you. Amen. Parents, you got that? Can you repeat it for your kids tonight or tomorrow? Thank you for that. All right, kids, go ahead and go back to your seats and your parents. Can I get a selfie with a camel? Can I? Just a, a selfie. Can I take a, cam, a camel selfie? Oh. Well, the kids are. It's giving me some shade. I'm not going to lie. I, I really want that picture, but I'm a little bit scared of it. <laughs> Thank you guys very much. Thank you, Camel. What's the Camel's name? Humphrey. Humphrey? <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> Bye, Humphrey. We almost had a real show. <laughs> Whew. I thought kids falling off the stage was stressful. Y'all, what I want to do, I know we've got kids in the room, so I'm going to be as brief as I can. Uh, I want to remind us all about how absolutely incredible and amazing it is the announcement of Jesus becoming man. Now, in the Advent series, one of the things you might have missed if this is your first night with us is that the Advent season is about anticipating the coming of Jesus. And so for thousands of years, people looked forward to the Messiah coming who would set them free from, from tyranny, from shame, from guilt, and would lift them to an elevation, would lift them to a place of victory and standing and status and peace and wholeness. And so it was a generational thing passed on generation after generation after generation. The Messiah is coming and he's going to bring peace on earth. The Messiah is coming and he's going to bring peace. He's going to bring peace. He's going to bring peace. For us, it's kind of like we get to Thanksgiving and we're like, now it's stressful. And Christmas is something that's a stressful thing. But the anticipation of Christmas, the anticipation of the Messiah coming was always something that was coming to bring peace. And so that's something that we're trying to restore in the culture of, of our congregation is that Christmas time would be a time of peace and anticipation and hope of the coming of Jesus. And so tonight what we get to do is celebrate that Jesus has come. Amen. And what we're going to look at is we're going to look at one of the accounts, one of the announcements that was made at the birth of Jesus. And we're going to be looking in Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 16. And so what I want to ask you to do is to stand with me again. It's a kind of, kind of almost a Catholic service tonight, just standing and sitting. And what we're going to do is we're going to read this passage together. So I'll get us started, create some momentum, and then I'll leave it to you all to finish the passage. We're reading Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 16. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night.
Let's be a sign for you. This is God's word to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this celebration. We thank you that you are Emmanuel, God with us. I ask that we would be aware of your nearness to us tonight and that you would open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to comprehend the hope, the peace, the victory that you have for us in your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This birth of Jesus in this setting, in this context, was extraordinary in many ways. Three of the ways that it was extraordinary is that it had fulfilled three to eight or ten prophecies about the way that Jesus would be born. He was born to Joseph, who was in the line of David. That was a promise made 700 years ago, and we studied that at this morning's service. He was also born in Bethlehem, which was a small, insignificant city, which fulfills another, another prophecy. And that Mary was a virgin, that she hadn't been with her husband yet, was the third miraculous part of this, of this miracle. Now, to fulfill one of these things would have been extraordinary. But to do all three things and to have it announced by angels makes it even that much more remarkable. So when somebody fulfills a prophecy that's hundreds and thousands of years old, and then angels announce it to people, we should probably say, start paying attention, right? At least research it and look into it a little bit. And that's what happened in this moment. So the angels came and they made this declaration to these shepherds. Now we get a sense because we've heard this year after year after year, Christmas time, that there were shepherds in the, watching their flocks at night. And it's so poetic. And we imagine it very much to be this way, kind of like this, maybe a little bit more like with Back like that, like, oh, look, dad, look at the stars and the sheep are just sitting there grazing and everything's really awesome. And look how clean they are and how loving the father is caressing his son's, you know, head thing. And, and, you know, you're like, it's a moment and it's so tender. And as we imagine it, the weather is always awesome. If it has any weather at all, it's great weather, isn't it? Like it's never muggy. It's never like an August night. And it's never that night that's too cold where it's bitter. And you're like, this is awful. But the real life of a shepherd tending flocks at night is more like this. <laughs> it's lame. It's dark. This is also a picture of a bear fighting a, a man in the dark. Right? <laughs> but it's also a picture of shepherds guarding the flocks at night. It was lame. It was awful. It was terrible. <laughs> You're up. The night shift's bad enough with air conditioning and 7-Eleven. To keep you fueled. To have night shift in the middle of a field with animals. With the threat of bears and the threat of animals coming and eating your, your sheep. And people coming to steal the sheep. What a, what a ter- terrible job. The job of a shepherd was not one that was coveted. It was not a popular job. It was not a job that you grew up and you were like, Dad, I'm going to be a shepherd someday. And he's like, yes, son. That's the goal. 
It was a job that people did grow into, but it's a job that likely people wanted to grow out of because it was a stinky job. It was a job away from people. It was a job with animals. Now, some people were like, yeah, I'd take that now. A job away from people (laughs) out of the cubicle. Yes, please. But this is the job that was unpopular. It was unclean. It was dirty. It was unclean, not just in what they dealt with, not just in a micro dirty jobs kind of way. It was unclean in a, in a spiritual and religious kind of way because they had to deal with things that the other people weren't having to deal with. And that on the daily and weekly basis. And so it was a nasty, thankless job. You can move off the, the lame screen. Here's what I want us to all realize tonight. That God wants to show up in the middle of our lame. God wants to show up in the middle of our difficulty life, our difficult life. God wants to show up in the midst of our messy life. And he wants to bring peace and goodwill and grace and power and strength and victory into that mess. The time that Jesus chose to, came into, to come into was a, was a remarkable time. It's a sign that God thinks very differently than, than me and very differently probably than you as well. I, would have, I told the congregation recently, I said, I would have chosen a time with air conditioning. I would have chosen a time with hospitals and, and sanitary standards. I would have chosen a time where it would have been a little bit more convenient than one where he'd have to be born into a stable, into an environment with animals where he'd have to lay in a manger. Now, he chose all this. He set it up. So this was not a surprise to God the Father when there was no room in the inn. It was a surprise to everybody else. Try telling your wife as she's about to give birth that there's no room in the hospital. Right? We're going to have to do this in a Winnebago. (laughs) Not good news. And it wasn't good news to them either. But God knew he was setting the whole thing up. The whole thing was a setup. And God entered a very, it's almost like God came being the exact opposite of the time and place he was set into. And so some of us wonder, we're like, could there possibly be a God? Because my life is too difficult. My life is too messy. My life is too lame. What I want to tell you today is that that's exactly the kind of life that God wants to move into and give purpose and meaning to. A life that's full of stress, a life that's full of pain, a life that's full of sorrow is exactly the kind of life and the kind of setting and the kind of scenario that God wants to introduce himself into to give and provide exactly the opposite of what it is that you're experiencing. And we see this in his choice of taking on human flesh that he chose to be birthed through a woman instead of just showing up on the scene. That he chose this time instead of a time of more comfort. In just a couple of years, King Herod, King Herod would find out about this as the, as the Magi would come and they'd, they'd check in. They'd be like, Hey, we're looking for this new king to the king, by the way. A little awkward, right? It'd be like going into your workplace and going, I'm looking for the boss to the boss. And he's like, Yeah, I'm the boss. No, 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 the new one. I'm looking for the new, I'm looking for the new boss, the new one who's in charge. You'd be like, What? <laughs> There's one and I'm him and I'll take care of anybody else who tries to stand in the way. And that's exactly what Herod's idea was. And so Herod, commanded the killing of all the, all the infant males two years and younger because he couldn't have another king coming up in his kingdom. That's the time and the place that Jesus chose to be born into. That's the time and the place and the chaos and the pain and the sorrow that Jesus chose to come into. And maybe your life isn't that chaotic. Maybe you have the, the prototypical Northern Virginia life and, and, it, and it's just the one that you see on Facebook. You've got the Facebook life. <laughs> <laughs> which I jokingly call the Facebook lie. 
right? Because we see it and we're like, man, that's not my life. And man, I'm missing out on something because their family's always so happy, right? After they yelled at everybody and told them to be happy. Their kids sit so still in the picture. It's a picture, not a video. Right? But maybe your life isn't in tatters. Maybe it's not ripping apart. Maybe you have some sense of peace, but you, you're wondering, maybe there's more to this life. Maybe there's more to me being here. Maybe there's something greater beyond myself. I want to encourage you that the answer is yes, there is. And it's found in a person and his name is Jesus Christ. And he came in flesh to show us the heart, the mind, the person of God looks like in in human form. And he did so perfectly. Now, when the angels came, they came and the glory of God accompanied them. And they made this announcement. And of course we would listen if the, if angels from heaven showed up in the room with all this glory and we'd be, they're like, Hey, heads up. And the Savior's been born. His name is Jesus. You're going to find him. And you're going to find him. And he's going to be, you're going to find a baby. A baby, not so weird. A baby in a manger. Now we're up in the stakes. We're narrowing the search scope a little bit. Right? If somebody tells me, they're like, hey, I met somebody at church today. His name's Mark. I'm like, great. Uh, describe him to me. Well, his name's Mark. Okay, what color skin does he have? And it really, that's not even a helpful description in a church like ours. Because they're like, he's white. Oh, that doesn't really help. He's black. Doesn't really help. He's Hispanic. Doesn't really help much. He's Indian. Doesn't help me a bit. <laughs> so what are we going to do, right? But when you're looking to figure out who somebody is or what somebody is, or you're trying to hone in your search on something, what you want is a little bit more information, and you expect the information to make sense. And so they tell the angels, hey, there's this baby. And they're like, all right, let's go find a baby. And he's in a manger. And they're like, oh, what? These are shepherds. They understand how nasty and weird that would be. I'm in a manger. Now we're honing in a little bit. This is strange, but I think we can find this baby because there probably aren't many hanging out in a manger. Confession, I tried to put one of my children in a drawer. It was weird. We were in college. We had a, we, we, we had not a lot of money. The baby came six weeks early or something. And we were, I was in school and it was stressful. I was in finals and it like the baby came, we got home and we're like, Oh, maybe we need a crib. And I was like, what if we, what if we put her in a drawer? And I literally, I took it out of the, the dresser and I'm like, it's big enough. Baby, it'll work. And she's like, not for my baby. Right? How much more a manger? Husbands, can you imagine? Let's just put the kid in the, in the dog's kennel tonight. Just to think, we'll take the top off, we'll put some pillows in there, we'll make it soft. It's weird. But they came in and, and so they, they were narrowing the scope. Now here's the thing about the angels. We think that if we had angels appear to us that we would listen and we would pay attention. And here's what I want to challenge and encourage all of us to do today. I want to challenge us not to wait until angels and lights and glory and miracles. What I want us to do is commit in our hearts and minds to being satisfied with a guy who's on stage yelling at me on Christmas Eve. What I want to challenge us all to do is to be satisfied with a three-year-old who asks us about the real meaning of Christmas. Who asks us and encourages, Mommy, Daddy, can we go to church? Mommy, Daddy, I like Mr. Larry. I want to come check this thing out. What I want us to do is to be okay with, with hearing the voice of God, not through just angels making proclamation in a field at night, but to be okay with the coworker coming up to us and saying, hey, would you want to do this Bible study with me? Hey, would you consider coming to work with me or coming to church with me? Would you consider joining a small group with me? 
You want to just come over and watch the game and just, and just get to know each other a little bit? What I think would be incredible this Christmas is if, the, if we could all make this kind of commitment to ourselves and to one another that I'm going to seek out the voice of God even if it doesn't come from remarkable angels, angels and bright lights and big massive fields. Because the reality is God so often just chooses to use ordinary natural means. And there was no more ordinary or natural means to give delivery than, than through Mary. And there was no more ordinary or natural means than to take the form of a baby. And I think in that, we learn that God wants to share us and t- share us his truth and his love and his message, his grace, his power, his strength. He wants us to know him, not just through angels, but through one another. Now we know him and we learn about him and we see his expressed, written, uh, the, the expression of his heart and in his mind in scripture. And so it's written down for us so we can know who he is and what's on his mind and what's on his heart. And then we can share it and wrestle with it and ask questions about it. Challenge it and lift it up and say, hey, what does this mean? These are my favorite kind of conversations. And I know that you'll find many other people in this environment who look forward to and anticipate just those kind of conversations. Hey, the Bible says this. What exactly does that mean? How can Jesus be both fully man and fully God? That doesn't make sense to me. Well, good. Then you're paying attention. Because if it makes sense to you on the surface, like right away, then you're probably not listening very carefully because to be 100% God and 100% man is pretty trippy. It's pretty extraordinary. It's absolutely supernatural in its orientation and paradoxical to everything that we understand about life. I want to close with this thought. The angels came and they delivered this message. They challenged them. They woke them up from their lame, difficult, tough lifestyle and said, hey, there's hope and peace down there. Now, here's the thing. After they experienced the hope and peace of Jesus, they had to return back to their lame job. They needed to return back to the other, to the other place, back to the fields, but they would never be the same. They would know that they had seen the Messiah. They would know that peace had come on earth and they'd be able to do their job. They'd be able to live their lives. They'd be able to walk it out with a sense of peace and grace, knowing that the thing that had been promised for thousands of generations had finally happened in their lifetime. They didn't anticipate that. They just heard the message and they ran to him. They pursued him. They chased after him and they wanted to seek out the truth. And that's my encouragement That's my challenge to all of us here tonight is to seek out, to go in a hurry like these shepherds, to seek out the truth of who Jesus is, what his plan and purpose is, and then take hold of it and allow it to change our lives as we embrace the peace, the power, and the love of God in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we recognize that you are Emmanuel. You are God with us. And tonight we say thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for demonstrating to us what is your love. How great, how wide, how high is your love. How extraordinary are your plans for those who love you. And so we pause for just a minute in all the chaos of the Christmas season to recognize that you are the great king that you are our Lord. You are the God who created all things and in whom all things hold together. So God, I ask that you would hold us all together, that you would hold us together with you and you would hold us together with one another.